Hey y'all, welcome back. My name is Apollo Mighty, and right now I'm right here. Right now I'm right here. Um, today I am joined by a beautiful soul, Christopher Mars, the creative. You just told me how to introduce you, and I just completely. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to say the creative genius, and then it, I, I don't know. that works too. So yes, the creative genius, the creative visionary, the creative mind, director, uh, Christopher Mars. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and just talk it up and see what conversation sparks. Talk about love, life, creativity anything and everything that comes to us in this moment mm -hmm. about just being here being present with you so i'm going to go ahead and take a moment to take a deep breath in and fully arrive where we are because i told you um just my, like my mind lately has just been racing. It's just been trying to figure out what, it, what it's all about. And after our conversation yesterday, because we just had a photo shoot yesterday, which was awesome, cold. Great time. It was cold. But awesome. Um, I don't know. I kind of received this message of roll with it. Believe, believe in it roll with it, trust the process. And people talk about trusting the process in such a general term nowadays. It's like, it's so, it's, it's such like a hashtag, trust the process, trust the process. For you, how do you make that such a part of your actual day-to-day -day life? Great question. For me, trusting the process is very much about just allowing myself to be present in each moment, being present, being intentional, being mindful, being aware of the current task at hand, whether it's just the morning ritual or I'm outside doing a creative job or just hanging out with friends. Anything is pretty much for me is just allowing myself to be fully in the moment, which is something that I've been practicing and been more mindful of a lot more over this past I want to say like a year and a half, I've really been focusing on it. It's really been like a year and a half of deep down digging, healing, and evolving, I mm -hmm. should say. And through that, I've learned that we oftentimes spend so much time thinking either in the past or in the future mm -hmm. and to acknowledge the fact that we are here in this moment and we can experience whatever we want to experience and we can choose to let go we can choose to be free we can choose to be happy we can choose to be all of these things as long as we're just aware of what we have going on deep down right um i want to ask you something because um the, obviously there are things going on in the media right now and uh, people are affected by the, like me as a black man and you, of course, are affected by them in different ways. Um, and I know that 
for me and a lot of people being present with that anger, being present with that sadness can be difficult. How do you navigate that as a creative and as someone who, like you said, is very present with their self and with their emotions? How do you navigate negative emotions? It's allowing myself, allowing oneself to fully feel the emotion, feel what needs to be felt in order to heal through that. And taking the time to acknowledge it, going, okay, I am feeling this emotion in this moment. And instead of allowing myself or oneself to begin to spiral and live in that emotion, mm-hmm. yeah, to be able to acknowledge it, be aware of it, and then let the moment pass so it doesn't continue on. Right. Because that is where I feel we can get trapped in a cycle. Right. More so like the cycle that society wants us to be trapped in is that constant anger, that constant negativity. Because if we're in those states of emotion, we're not in a state of rising. We're not in a state of uplifting. We're not healing. We're continuing bringing our energy levels lower. Mm Mm-hmm. For healing, for growth, for evolution, for building each other up, for building a community up. We all need to be in a space of love. Because for me, unconditional love pretty much conquers all and has what has gotten me through so many times of just deep sadness or anxiousness or anger. And I just have to remember that, like, okay, this is. Yes, the state of the world we live in is rough and it's tiring and exhausting, but it's still, there's still a bigger purpose that needs to be focused on. I think it's interesting because you, you noted that, well, I noted that you said something about um, the idea that society wants us to stay in, like, like the, the, the perpetual state of despair that media and things like that try to make us stay in um and with you being a creator and someone who puts out a lot of media shout out to your tiktok and your instagram which are very inspiring to me um, and to a lot of people i'm sure um how intentional are you about creating art that not only tells a story but also in a lot of ways uplifts very intentional Mm. actually yeah Um, so I'm someone who my art is very, it exudes lots of emotion and it exudes experiences that I've had, um, things that I've felt and I use art to communicate that visually. Mm. And sometimes that is an image of anxiety or depression because we all go through these huge, these just a cycle of emotions all the time. And mm. it's just bringing to that and letting that people know that it's okay to feel what you need to feel. Um, and through that, I've learned that it's very important to uplift and bring and rise with your community and the people you love and just humanity in general, because if we want to heal and become better as a society, we need to lift each other up. Mm. So that includes positive imagery of black culture of all cultures just putting imagery out there that is positive it's uplifting it's beautiful it 
is inclusive. It is showing people that there are so many different faces of beauty and the standard of beauty that society has placed on us needs to be like dismantled. Like yes. everything and that needs to be seen. And just taking the time and sharing practices that I've done that have helped me become more positive and heal and Yes, please share those. Share those. I have been more intentional in including that in my type of work that I do and how I'm presenting myself to the media or how I'm just presenting our culture to the media because it needs to be seen in a place of love. Yeah. I, th I think one thing too, like, because you, you mentioned making art that includes everybody and lets, know that, lets, you, lets people know that it needs to be all inclusive and that um, the beauty standards need to be dismantled. And also what I find and what made me gravitate towards your art is that it's fucking good too. It's quality work. And I think a lot of times, and one thing too that I noticed about your, about your just particularly photography is that it does have a mood sometimes. It does, it does have, it's real, it's realistic. It sets, a, it gives a tone and it doesn't seem derived from some, some place of, oh, okay, let me try my best to, to look a certain way. It looks very authentic. Like, no, I was feeling this. So this is what, this is what came out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. My head is against this wall and everything's kind of gray it's because I was dealing with depression, you know? Yes. So I feel like you have a nice balance. Thank you. No. Because I feel that's, it's just so important to, because we're taught, I should say, we're taught at a very young age, uh, pretty much like since birth, that we need to put on a character or put on a face mm. and be a certain way. And we do, we're taught to do certain things in order to please certain people, in order to get somewhere in life, in order to get ahead of them. And as we are being taught these things, we are slowly chipping away at the being that we authentically are. Right. And we're becoming, pretty much I consider like a robot. We're becoming this robot to where we don't talk about emotion, we don't share our feelings, we don't express ourselves how we want to express ourselves. And we are just becoming this drone in society that just moves about and is numb to everything. Mm -hmm. So, which is why I feel it's super, super important to just showcase every emotion like you're saying. Like, if my head is against the wall and the lighting is dark and moody, it's because I was feeling some type of way that day. And <laughs> I felt art helps me communicate and helps me heal through things and just helps me increase the awareness of what I have going on, like, internally. Mm. And analyze it and I'll break it open and open it up and kind of work through it that way. Mm. So yeah. tell me, how do you define beauty? All, all being, everything. Unconditional mm. love. Wow. I think that's, I th the reason I ask is because you also said something a little while ago about the beauty standard and how it needs to be dismantled and how everyone is beautiful. And so many people don't feel beautiful. And I'm talking about people who would aesthetically and societally be con considered beautiful, not 
feeling worthy of that. So how do you, how is it that you're able to find the worthiness of beauty in hard times or difficult times or, or even helping people who you're working with to kind of find that and come out of their shell? Um, I tell people all the time, I am not a model. I don't ever claim to be a model. And I tell any photographer that I'm working with, please direct me. Um, and I didn't, and I, I mean, I'll tell you now, yesterday, I did not feel great about a few things. I came rattled and all this other stuff all over the place, but we started working and I felt again, a sense of calm and a sense of purpose. And I wondered, you know, is this something that you're able to do with all of your clients and how do you kind of like help perpetuate that idea throughout your work? Great, well, great question. <laughs> really long ass question. I'm, I'm really, I'm really... <laughs> I was just stuck. Let me just give a little bit more of a backstory of the fact that I was someone that was extremely, extremely self-conscious and extremely, I just did not see any type of beauty I was. I didn't know who I was looking at when I looked, looked in the mirror. I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel any of these things growing up. And this was like all throughout adolescence and into high school, out of high school, college. I just, it was like almost an identity crisis pretty much my whole life. And I just didn't know what I was seeing because one had to do with, I didn't really see anyone in the media that I identified with. Hmm. And going back to like societal beauty standards is what is presented in the media. And of course, early on in the 90s, 2000s, there wasn't many, I hate using the word alternative, just like more authentic people, more people who are expressive and maybe a little eclectic in the media, piercings, freckles, anything, colored hair. It's always very like, you need to look like this, you need to have clean haircut, no piercings, wear your college shirt, do all of these things and go about life that way. Um, so that was something that throughout the stages of growing up, I had to deal with and work through was just becoming to a place of self-love and to a place of being able to look in the mirror and be like, oh, you are this beautiful being that just does what feels right and what feels natural and that is something to be proud of. And getting to that place in my journey took an entire lifetime, mm -hmm. gotta say. I feel like I, the past three years was spent really building at that and really working at that, really seeing myself in a different light because it was not there to begin with. So I want to just like show that like I'm living proof that like you can start somewhere and end up and have all this confidence in the world and still have to work at it every single day because it's a process, it's a way of life, it's a lifestyle mm. to be able to get to that form of self-love, which is why it's so important for me to create a safe space for people to feel comfortable to, to just be who they are, mm -hmm. to feel comfortable to come as they are, come <clears throat> as the being they are, no matter what mood they're in. Let's talk through it. Why are you feeling this way? What can I do to help you get to a place to where you feel comfortable enough to present yourself to the world? And also just coming from it at a different angle and a different lens in the fact that like I see beauty in all people. And I also look at life and the universe as a mirror 
and how everyone that you see in your universe daily is a direct reflection of who you are. For sure. Whether you're triggered by something, whether you see something and you relate to it, whether you see something that kind of resembles your past or is something that you want in the future. Everything that you see in your day-to-day life is just a reflection of who you are. And when you're able to see that beauty in all things and everything, everybody, every living organism, it creates it to where you are able to radiate that love and people can sense that and feel that this is a place where I will be accepted no matter what. Like there won't be any judgment here. Right. You know, we may not agree on certain things or there may be differences, which happens in every day-to-day life, but still knowing that like, I'm still gonna love you. I still have love for you regardless. And just offering that up, offering that space to where I can photograph people how I see them and also how I want them to see themselves as these beautiful ethereal beings that can withstand anything. <laughs> Let's be real. Like even in our darkest moments, what do we do? We survive every single time. And we need to come to a place where we can acknowledge that more often and be proud of ourselves more. So I want to continue to do that in my work. I, um, I love that answer. It, it really reminds me that of lately I've been seeing reminders of my past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm almost a year into my sobriety now. Congratulations. Thank you. But it's, also, it's really cool because people who I used to run with, jobs I used to have, memories from, that, from this past life, so to speak, keep popping up. And I keep feeling like, oh, that's a sign that like, I'm not on the right track. I'm not on the right track. But it's the exact opposite. It's reminding me, it's, it's, it's telling me that I'm actually, the reason I can recognize that that's old stuff is because it's now old stuff. From, there, past. from the past. There was a time where that would have been my everyday going to a job that I could not stand, going and, and living with people who w- were jealous of me and hated me, who I couldn't stand, fighting and arguing, for th- fighting for an existence that didn't even match who I was on the inside. Because at the time, that, that life was everything to me. You know, um, how, how hard was it? Because talk, you talked a little bit about the transition and you talked a little bit about healing. How hard was it for you to distance yourself from some of your old ideals about who you had to be? Mm. It was, it was definitely difficult. It was difficult. Um, Cause I'd say I'm a year into fully doing that. I call it like shadow work, mm. that shadow work. It's been a little bit over a year. Yeah. At the beginning of quarantine was when I was like, oh, something's off, something's wrong. And it's been a process to where I've had to rework my entire lifestyle and rework my entire way of thinking 
and how I viewed things. I had to dismantle ideals in my head. I had to break down, I had to break down concepts in my head, brain, or not brains, dreams in my head that I had, how I felt my life should look and how I wanted it to look and come to a place where I'm okay with where I am. Right. Yeah, I, where I am right now is perfect. It's exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I did a lot of reading. Um, I don't know if, have you read The Four Agreements? Yes, several times. Incredible. Incredible, Incredible book. Read that towards the beginning, like, last year, read that last year, and that changed my life. Read my agents, recommended I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Or Eckhart I'm reading Tolle. that right now. Incredible. That was actually, honestly, that was the first book that got me on the path of like, oh, I need to switch around what, like how I'm thinking because I resonate and respond more to this. And this feels right. Um, so shout out to my agent, David, for recommending that because started all of this. <laughs> and then after that, it was The Four Agreements by Don, Ru Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. Incredible. And then... Same author, The Mastery of Love, The Mastery of Self. And right now I am currently reading The Fifth Agreement. Hmm. So all of these, all of those books really helped change my like mental state and helped me rework and rewire my brain and my way of thinking to how I see the world now. Um, along with that, I changed my morning ritual to allow myself time for myself in the morning and not waking up and going directly into work. Right. As a creative, you are somewhat unaware that you're doing it, but as soon as you turn that phone on and hop on social media, it's like work starts. Oh my God, <laughs> you're so right. It starts so right away. Right. I took a, I took Mm, six weeks off from from just from all social media um Incredible. listen it was one of those experiences where i had to delete everything and for like the first three days i was like what do i what was i doing with myself before and it, it, it made me recall times when i was a kid where i would be so bored in my house and i would hate being i would hate being bored so much that i would be like I'm just gonna cause some drama. I'm just gonna make some mess in my house. Oh no, seriously. So in terms of, we talk about shadow work, I'm in the process of doing that now. And I have a lot of shadow work to do. I have a lot of stuff that I'm working through my, my mentor. I mean, my, yeah, I'm working through with my mentor. I'm working through a lot of stuff with my therapist and just noticing patterns about myself not beating myself up for them, but feeling empowered to make a change when I notice that I'm doing something or experiencing something in a way that takes away from my power, that takes away from my energy. That's, that's you see what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, for such a long time, I thought that I was tired and that I was just getting old. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm 28. I'm supposed to be tired all the time, but I'm mentally, Right, you're not. It's not. It's not a thing. 
um, I'm mentally carrying around things mm-hmm. from something you. that belong to you. Say that again. Some things that don't even belong to you. Mm-hmm. Other people's perceptions about about the way a black man is supposed to be, mm-hmm. the way I'm my, me, Daryl Apollo is supposed to be. I've been wearing these things, limiting my belief for a lot of my life, thinking that it's helping me to survive, thinking that it's helping me navigate things in a more clear and concise way. But really, all it is is that it keeps me. Prime example. I'll give you an example. When I meet people, I can sometimes be a little standoffish. I can sometimes be, or I used to be, I don't think I would be like that now because I've been by myself or just with my partner in the house for so long. I'm like, let's talk to everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? Cool, let's be best friends. <laughs> but I used to kind of feel standoffish against people because I was told for such a, for a lot of my life that people won't accept me for who I am as an authentic person. And I was taught to always watch my back. So like, so there's a, there's two sides to that coin. It can be, yeah, don't let everybody just get so close to you and walk the bound. That's totally understandable, but it can also create this, this feeling of defensiveness against any and everybody, no matter who they are, and you don't want nobody to get close to you because you're because you're preemptively trying to stop somebody from hurting you. Yes, and that's an ongoing cycle. It's um, an un- yeah. That's that's something that as soon as you probably heard that at a very young age, right? Oh yeah, very very young age, and at a young age we are more susceptible and more moldable. So that's something that you attach to. And that has been a way you have been living for until now. Mm-hmm. And one simple moment, and that just goes to show the power of presence and the power of being able to being, being able to be mindful and distinguish things that are, are for you and not for you. Mm. And being able to trust those feelings that you have deep down that is either this feels right I'm going to keep going in this area or this something feels off about this and I'm going to stop but most of us myself included have felt something feel off and have brushed it away and justified it and was like oh it's okay I'm just going to keep going that way anyways knowing from the beginning that we felt some type of way about it Mm-hmm. And that's that gut feeling, that's that intuition that is guiding us. Pretty much just our future self telling us the path to take. Like when you, when you feel a gut feeling or when you have intuition that says, I should do this and not know where it came from, that's that future self telling you like, hey, this is, this is the way you need to go to get where you want to be. Instead of the past or the past coming and being like, mm, this feels off, but we've worked through it before. We can keep going that way. And then it just makes the cycle continue. And going around and around and that keeps us trapped. Yeah. I, I actually had a conversation with a good friend of mine on the podcast. Her name is Amira. Uh, and we talked about intuition versus fear and how we know the difference. 
because for someone coming from a, a background of not knowing what it feels like to be happy and, and not knowing mm-hmm. what it feels like to be accepted, anything can feel like a reason to jump ship, at least mm-hmm. in my experience. And I've, I've over the year had to stop myself and be like, hey, you're actually okay, you're safe. I know you're used to feeling the drama. I know you're used to creating scenarios where everybody's the villain and you're the, and you're the victim. And so now, you know, you're being done so wrong, but you have a, you actually have a lot of power and a lot of autonomy in this situation on that walk in that. And, it, and when all those things fail, I'm like, Hey, just shut up for a little while. Let's be silent. Silence is such a silence has been my friend. Silence is a power is a power and people take it for granted um, I, ooh, that's a whole conversation <laughs> silence ooh. silence uh, saves lives it does but i can i can definitely relate in the sense of feeling like the outsider or feeling like you don't belong in certain situations or people are going to judge you yes just adolescence and growing up being the odd one out being the only black kid, person of color in my neighborhood, in my friend group, living in a suburb and being the only, having white grandparents and walking around with them and people looking at us a different type of way and me wondering why this, like, why are people just like staring at me? Yes. Not being able to put two and two together at a young age, be like, oh, it's because I don't look like them. Right. And, and it's, I think that's always such, I've always imagined that's such an interesting conversation to begin to have with a child Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I've always wanted kids, but also in the, like the last year or two, I've started to maybe rethink it because I don't know how I'll explain racism. I don't know how mm-hmm. I'll explain to a child because I remember how it was brought to me and, the, and how my heart broke the day mm-hmm. I recognized where racism was. The first time somebody call me a nigger I remember like how that felt and how angry and hopeless it all just came crashing down my whole world came crashing down that day I don't know so like you said that and it just made me think about like your experience in a world and I was I was around people who looked like me and I still felt hopeless so to be in to be in a world full of people I'm I'm saying I was around a bunch of people that looked just like me and you were in a place where you felt like the odd one out. You felt like you looked different. You knew that you looked different and there was nowhere to, you know, say it again. Yeah. Nowhere like, just nowhere to go on to be able to relate to. Um, Cause even my mom, she's Puerto Rican. She's very light, uh, covered in freckles, all of it. So we definitely, stood out in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and I was kind of just like it's so hard to think about think going back to it and just like pulling up old memories because I feel like almost that and during that time of my life I was very unaware to it though I guess it was happening to me mm-hmm. and I would stare or would make a remark off to the side and these are all things that I would pick up on 
subconsciously, but I wouldn't be able to consciously put two and two together because I wasn't really told. I mean, my mom taught me just to be very like cautious and that I would have to go about life a little bit more, with a little bit more awareness and caution just because of my skin complexion and my color. Yeah. Especially being a black non-binary person in the suburbs. Right. <laughs> and knowing that people fear the unknown. So they fear what they don't know. And when someone comes along that doesn't match what they know and what they've been brought up to know, that's when people start to become fearful. And that's when all of the, that's when you'll pick up on all of that emotion and all of that, all of those mindsets and mentality because we are receptors to everything. Yeah. And as we things growing up, we take those to we take those with us to adulthood. Yep. And things don't become uncovered until we get triggered by something, or until <laughs> pretty much until we get triggered by something and we are aware of that trauma that yep. happened. I'm aware of a trauma that happened at such a young age, and that is when we are able to start the healing process, which has been such a difficult thing for me in terms because I always felt like I was good. Mm -hmm. I thought that everybody else was the problem. I knew I had some things to work on, like in terms of my anger, but I felt like my anger and my things were justified mm -hmm. until I came up against, until I started feeling anger in places where I was safe, in places mm -hmm. where there was love given to me. And I still felt this cagey need to like lash out. And that was because even in loving situations, my triggers were being activated because I had never given my, myself the opportunity to look at them and heal. I pushed so many things down. Pushed it all to the back. Yeah. Buried, buried it deep, deep down, which is okay because that's what you had to do in the moment. Right. You know, or safe. In order to protect your well-being, you had to, we had to push things down. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we are able to, we come to a space mentally and physically and emotionally, spiritually, to be able to deal with those things where they are able to start being uprooted. And you know, and sometimes I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to get mad at the people who don't do that work anymore because I know how hard it is. Like, I think everybody should, but I also understand the people who decide like, no, I'm just gonna stay, you know, belligerently ignorant towards other people's emotions and feelings. Because when you start acknowledging other people's emotions, you have to start acknowledging your own. And but that also that goes into killing the ego. Yeah. Oh, so talk about that. like. Is there any part of your ego that you find beneficial? Like, is there any part of your ego that you use to create and give you a sense of confidence? Or do you feel like you need to just eradicate the whole thing? That's a great question. I try now. <laughs> yes, I try. So definitely, you need to be able to break down and spot the ego when it comes up, I should say. Because the ego will always be there. Mm -hmm. It'll always be this part of you that is trying to force its way in. 
because that is how we've been living. That's how we've been taught to live. That has been what has, we thought protected us when in actuality it's been hurting us. Right. We have all of these specific beliefs or viewpoints and only think that our way is the only way. I'm great, I'm great the way I am. You guys can do whatever you want, which is a great way of thinking, but you have to be able to be open to all aspects and all perspectives of everything that happens in the world, in life. Knowing that you may not agree with it, which there's a lot that's going to happen that we don't agree with. There's going to be a lot, but you have to be open to it. And that is how you're going to be able to maintain that balance. Mm. Push on and move forward. Is there a question or quote or statement or mantra that you that has impacted you grateful greatly sorry um that has impacted you in your life that changed the way that you've done things that you use currently to like help you focus or anything obviously one of mine is right now right here like that's just one of my grounding ones um but while you're thinking i'm going to tell you there was this one time i was in therapy it was right, right when I first started going to therapy here in Chicago. And I was talking to my therapist and I was just like going off. I'm like, woo, woo, woo. And he was like, why do you feel inadequate? And I said, got you. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, that was what, at least four years ago, three to four years ago now, I'm still answering that. I'm still answering the question when I do certain things, why am I at, why am I allowing myself to feel inferior to this situation? Why am I allowing myself to believe against my own nature? Because my nature as a person is to rise and to shine and to love and to smile and to hug and to cry and to rejoice. I'm a rejoicing kind of a person. So when I start to notice that my thoughts are turning towards kill everything, destroy it all, I'm like, why don't I feel worthy of having this? Because it's foreign. And because I was also given stories and programming that told me that someone like me does not deserve to be happy. That's for sure. Right, that right there, that. Yes. <laughs> You that and that stuck with you mm -hmm. and that has been how you've been living with that programming subconsciously in the back of your mind traumas arise that trauma kicks back in and is like oh i don't deserve this right the thermostat this is a book i read called the big leap and it's mm. all about the he i forgot the exact name of um like the, the name of the thing that he called it but it's basically in life you can get to a certain point or like in, in life your, your upbringing creates a thermostat like sets the thermostat at 70. so okay. anytime you go up you start doing well like to an 80 you will subconsciously or consciously make a decision that will bring you back down to where you actually believe that you where you belong. Mm -hmm. So people who win the lottery, for instance, 
right? If they spent their entire lives being poor and being broke, and that's all they know how to do, that's why they get all this money and they blow it all because subconsciously they still believe that they deserve to be at this level. Yeah. So and the thermostat brings the asses back down. Yeah. And that's breaking like ancestral traumas. Yes. In place. And that's something that when you spot that, I've noticed that just like people that I've talked to, different conversations that I've had, there are a lot of people that are breaking these ancestral traumas in their family lines and are the first of a lot of things to acknowledge certain things, become aware of certain things and trying to do what they can to heal those to mm-hmm. where that cycle doesn't continue and doesn't continue to get passed on and on and on. And that in and of itself is extremely like commendable and something to be very proud of. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you are doing that work and we're doing this healing to really figure out what is going on deep down in there and why we act the way we act, why you are reactive in certain situations, why certain things trigger you, why you feel the sense of inadequacy. Yeah. When there's like break those down, that takes a lot of work. And that is a lot of the work that isn't talked about and how much time and emotion needs to be spent doing that in order to build that healing process and build you to a space of power to where you are able to be one with yourself and have that true sense of like, I am who I am and who I am is enough. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what anyone says, does, that tries to bring me down, I know I do not have to attach to that energy. I don't have to attach to attach to that at all. And I'm just going to keep moving about it that way. For and that goes sure. I low-key forgot the question you asked me. Oh, yeah. Um, I asked you, because I started talking about myself. Uh, <laughs> I, I asked you, is there a quote or mantra or word of wisdom that you live by or that has impacted your, your life? It can even be a question. It can be something that someone asked you or a question that you asked someone else that made you start to think differently or changed you in any way? I was asked, or not necessarily, not necessarily asked, I was told to consider, like consider, what if, consider this, what if you can have everything that you've ever wanted? Mm. Like what if you can just have it? which is all possible and you can. And that just goes into you believing and knowing and wanting and already aligning and just having that belief and empowerment that it's already yours. And that's going to attract it to you. And that also goes into, I live by a mantra of I let go and choose to surrender to the flow of the universe as it comes to me. And going back to the idea of everything being a reflection, I believe it was in the four agreements with Don Ruel 
Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., where he made, he brought up this story of this guy, maybe the monk, who calls himself the Smoky Mirror. Do you remember that? Vaguely. It's been, I haven't read it in like a year or two, but yeah. Yeah, the Smoky Mirror. So he was this being that became aware of everything that was happening in life and in the universe. And he became aware of the fact that everyone in his town was a direct reflection of who he was. Mm. I'll come to him and be like, you are a god, you are beautiful, you are all of these things. And he would be like, thank you, and so are you. And they wouldn't be able to, they couldn't figure it out. They were confused by it. They're like, I don't understand, but I'm not you. So it became him realizing that like, the fact that he is a mirror and sees all these things and all of these people as the same as him, but they are stuck in the smoke and in the smog and the haze of not knowing what's going on and not knowing what it's all about. Right. That, that really, really changed my life and brought me to a space of deeper self-love, deeper awareness of just being what I want to receive and putting out what I want to receive. Because everything you put out will come back tenfold if you choose to have it that way. Well, I'm hoping that what you've given to everybody in this podcast comes back to you tenfold too, man. I really appreciate you coming and being a part of this this little experiment that I'm making. It's not an experiment, it's a conversation. It's a, a power, a project. It is, this project that I'm creating. I, and you know what, that's one of my favorite words is projects. Because a project isn't, is never really done until you're done working on it. That's true. And I, just, I love that. Life is a project. Life is one long ass project. But you have other people working on the project with you thank you so much brother man i love you i hope you have a wonderful day thank you too thank you thank you it was a pleasure <laughs> I, i'm not great at ending the episodes yet i'm, I'm still learning because it's hard for me to say it's it's always hard to say goodbye ain't that what michael said mm, it is hard to say it's not a goodbye until next time until the next alignment. Yes, until the next alignment. I'm gonna start ending like that. Until the next alignment. Have a good day, man. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye. Right now, I'm right here. Right now, I'm right here. You've been listening to Right Now, Right Here with Apollo Mighty. I'd like to thank you, my guests, and my sponsors for making this possible. If you have any questions or suggestions for guests or topics, send an email to apollo at apollomighty.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I'll see you next week for another episode of Right Now, Right Here. This is the part that I hit the most. I really want to go, but I'm staying right here.